Close your eyes and imagine the best version of yourself. And that is who you really are. You know, sometimes I forget this. Uh, I, I like to think of myself as generally an optimistic person. But I have lulls. I have backslides. And, you know, I can go down that negative rabbit hole uh, just like you and just like all of us. Part of being human. But the, the great thing, and I think the beautiful thing, is every passing moment is an opportunity to turn it all around. You know, we have all these negative voices that come in our head of, you know, you suck, you're, you're talentless, you have money problems, you have financial disasters, nobody's listening to this podcast, why well, waste your time? And then, you know, it's really hard to block those out. Or maybe you can just invite some other things coming in. And I think it's really important to reset and just think about all the things that are happening in your life. You know, things that, if you take a step back, you, you should realize that other people are fighting so desperately to have the things that you have. I don't mean material things. I just mean peace of mind, the opportunity to walk down the street listening to music or, or to have a friend, to have a good friend, to have a lover, to have parents that you can call up or um, a dog or a cat that you can be affectionate with. A lot of people are in circumstances that are really not as fortunate as you are, whether it's literal circumstances or mental circumstances. So just take a step back. Uh, my guest today uh, certainly helped me do that. Um, he uh, He's many things. He's a musician. He's a yoga instructor. He's a philosopher, in my view. Um, just a really down-to-earth guy. Um, you can find out all information about uh, his new um, I, uh, project called In the World, which he says is inspired by this podcast, so, uh, although I think he's just kind of stroking my ego. <laughs> uh, it's called In the World. Um, uh, his recent project uh, in that is The Family Matters, which is a documentary that follows a family of sisters that are reuniting for the first time in over 30 years. It's, it's pretty, pretty mind-blowing. Um, go to heyquasi.com. Uh, hey, hey, as in like H-A-H-E-Y, quasi, Q-U-A-Z-Z-Y dot com. And you can see his testimonials, his music videos, his uh, stuff about yoga. You don't have to worry about falling off your treadmill, writing this down, or, or crashing your car. I'll put this all in the MP3 notes. Um, Heyquasi dot com. Super nice guy. I really enjoy this conversation. I hope you do too. Uh, without further delay... Uh, oh, and the music that you're uh, getting ready to listen to is one of his own. It's Pilgrim by Quasi himself. And stick around to the end, and I'll play another song for you. But you can go, you can check out all his music and all his music videos and all his good stuff. Just go to his website, heyquasi.com. We talk about yoga. We talk about mindfulness. We talk about growing up. Uh, he's a super talented individual. He's a sweetheart of a man. Without further delay, my super conversation with Quasi. Check it out.
You want a podcast? Great. We have some audio on your website that nobody goes to. Yo, you're listening to Vandal Charles Curious World Podcast. This is crazy. Bro, the day is November something. The year is 2013. The engineer Mahir and the rapper's a pilgrim. Today, this is American history. Celebrate like George Washington, baby. Here we go now. Hero and a criminal. The man is just a pilgrim. Hero and a criminal. The man is just a pilgrim. Quasby on a mission. Quasby on a mission. Quasby on a mission. Quasby on a mission. Hey, hero and a criminal. The man is just a pilgrim. Hero and a criminal. The man is just a pilgrim. Quasby on a mission. Quasby on a mission. He do it for the people because he know the people feel him. So tell me, do you feel him? Tell me, do you feel the flow sliding in that rhythm? Sliding in those ridges. My thoughts are Watch them find a ways be ripping. Turned on your turntables, had them tabletops be dripping. You know we kept it natural. I like my raw tobacco. Growing on that naturalistic intertwine, we shift and lift. I know you get my picture. Now my record says sticky. This must have been a heaven sent. So thank God it's Christmas. That body far from winter. Just quasi far from finished. She was my black miss but made a man out your man. Signed, sealed, delivered, and yes, of course I licked it. The stampede of the champion, but of course it's given. Hey, hero and a criminal, the man is just a pilgrim. Crosby on a mission, Crosby on a mission. Mind on that money with the minds upon the millions. So tell me, do you feel this? I swear this be the illest. This the realest cold flow from a nigga who just chillin'. Yeah, he had that be addiction. Got NPC prescription. He grind all business, but that first rest for the bitches. The rest will go to winning. And money changing digits. Like how I change a quarter. And get back Cinco Twinnies. Guess I'm on your Cinco with it. When I'm flipping out that pigskin, cause I gave a few sacks. Never crossed the line of scrimmage. But after that, I'm chillin'. Reflecting on the memory. My mind frame racing like I'm pipping. Gets the business when he bought up in that wounded. The boy stays shining, putting on forgotten Michigan. Yeah. Hey, hero and a criminal. The man is just a pilgrim. Stop. Hero and a pilgrim now. Yeah. What? Quasby on a mission. Yeah, Quasby on a mission. Quasby on a mission. Cause that vibe and energy. I've always been curious, you know, uh, where does that come from? Like, how do you do that? For me, it's, I mean, is it fake? No, no, no. <laughs> I don't think so, at least. What really helps me out is just kind of trying to extract. I do a lot of extracting with people. You know, like people like that drain your energy. Mm-hmm. I, I'm kind of like that, like in a way. I, I think I drain things from people, but I think it, um, I think it's, it's for the for the better, at least for the exchange of people. Like when I see people come in. You know, I, I try to assume that people are having a good day or that there's something good going about their day. And then, like, I ask them, you know, how's it going? And I find that people kind of mirror whatever question you, you give them. Like, if somebody tells you, oh, the weather sucks, people are likely to go, yeah, yeah, it does suck. So instead of, like, saying the weather sucks, I'm like, yo, we're having a good day, right? And then people tend to be like, you know, it, it, wasn't, it was okay. And if people are having a bad day, then that's when I just make sure I'm holding enough space for them to be like, talk about it. And I find that even sometimes acknowledging your day's not going good can make your day go better. You know? so what makes a day, what, what makes a bad, uh, uh, how would something infringe on your day? On my personal day? Uh, feeling like somebody, 
how could my day be imperfect? Honestly, hmm, it would be really hard. Things that really maybe set me off are when I feel like people are being inauthentic. That can bother people me. People you know or people you don't know? People I know. People that I don't know if they're being authentic. I don't know if they're being authentic, you know? Sometimes I just try to, like, I try to trust that people are who they say they are when I first meet them or if I don't know them too well. Um, people that I know, if I feel like they're being authentic or kind of moving around with, I feel like, what they directly want, it, it ticks me off a bit. The only because I want them to be, be honest and direct, even if it's, like, um, unsavory. So those are the moments you might see me get fired up. And I'd be like, yo, you know, you gotta, you gotta keep it real, you know, like what's going on. And if that, if they, if after that though they keep it real, then it's, then I'm back to having a good day. So how did we get here? Like, were you always, did you always have this mindset, or you know, growing up, were you, you kind of a roughneck? Did you, you know, did you kind of have to go through, uh, you know, through, through the forest to get to the, to the trees? Mm-hmm. You know, honestly, I think I've always been in a good, good ass mood. For real, for real, for real. Um, I've really always been in a good mood. I think because like the opposite to me, either feels um, selfish or it just feels like untrue. Like I, I, when I was growing up, I, I was, I used to throw tantrums sometimes. Like I just like if I over what? Like if I don't get my way, if I don't, if things don't go my way, then it really like un, unhinges me. It's hard for me to recover. Even to this day, like if something doesn't go right in the morning, I'm still feeling the effects of trying to recover uh, by the night. Because I do like things to go my way. As like positive as I am, I'm pretty like specific about how I like my things to go. But kind of like um, just growing up, if things don't go my way, and I, and I throw a tantrum or, or whatever you want to call it, uh, my parents are both therapists, and so they would sit down and be like, "What are you? What are you crying about? Like, what's going on?" I, I, can, I can remember very distinctly, like, my mom said I couldn't do something. And I, and I'd get all mad, and uh, I'd be, like, sitting there. And i just do a lot of, like, self-harming things. And to her credit, she didn't, she didn't hit me about it, like, tell me to stop. She'd just kind of look at me, and then, like, hours go by, and she'd be like, she'd just go on and have a good day. And I, nothing made me more upset when my mom told me I couldn't do something. And I'd be like, what? Why not? This, that, and third. And she'd be like, because you can't. And I'd get mad, and I'd be like, well, I'm not going to eat dinner. She's like, well, I am. (laughs) (laughs) And it tastes good, too. Yeah, she would would just go ahead and go about her day. So I I was like, man, you really can't, you can't really let the bullshit. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I should have said that before. You can't let the bullshit, you know, get you down. And especially, like, uh, the city I come from is, like, tends to be on the grimmer side. It's, like, a small town in the Midwest. Where's that? It's Michigan, Saginaw, Michigan. Okay. And it was a it was a factory town, you know, the recession hit and people lost jobs. And it tends to get a like a, a bad rap for like being crime infested or whatever. And it's really like the city's so small, really no matter what side of town you live on, you kinda get that low vibrational feel. Um, growing up it felt like at times people didn't really want to see you succeed. Um, or it felt like things were always Good, bad things were happening to good people, and kind of like the bad people were still um, moving forward. Like I can remember a time, uh, and I was in high school. This this kid beloved by everybody, um, Freddie Harvey. He was in a car with his cousins, and his cousins were like maybe affiliated with who knows what, you know, just like some street type stuff. And some people were were trying to, I guess, how the story goes, 
do harm to his cousin, and they shot up the car that Harvey was in, or Fli uh, Freddie was in, Flip was in. And Freddie died, but his cousin, who they were looking for, didn't die. And um, those kind of like stories were always just kind of happening. Um, and they ranged, you know, sometimes the person didn't die, but they, you know, some, they got in trouble or they got arrested or they just got caught up in the wrong people. And there's just a lot of like heartbreaking stories. And then I moved to New York and um, I just kept always contextualizing those things. Like, you know, I, it was the first time I was away from home and I was one of the few friends that like had all the opportunities to even, one, leave home. And then two, leave for school. And then my parents always put a, a focus on education. So I was, I was always in a space where I tended to be the only person that, that looked like me anyway. There's not like a lot of like, um, there's never really a lot of like young black kids in like the science fair. You know? right. Well, my mom would make sure I could get the science camp. And so that helped me. Oh, I'm still trying to get <laughs> you're, you're here. My phone thinks I'm trying to get to your house. <laughs> So where where did you go to school? Oh, okay. So I went to I went to school in uh, it's called Saginaw Arts and Science Academy. It was a really small magnet school in the middle of the city. Uh, you had two big uh, two big schools on the east side and the west side of town, and we were right in the center of them. And uh, it was always known as just a very strange school. Like people that would go to Saginaw High on the east side, would, you know, think we were aliens, and people that went to Arthur Hill on the west side, they think we were aliens. And so it was always kind of an underdog environment growing up. And that helped me, um, I didn't really help me like use what I had, you know, because the city itself was an underdog. I felt like an underdog within an underdog school. And I was just really competitive. So that, that kind of boosted me to try to be the best I could be. On the Saginaw thing though, about the, um, about just how everything was happening, happening in the city. When I come to New York and I hear people kind of complain about these small things that happen all day, I think about on a bigger level all the different things that happen in the world and it's really just hard for me to be mad you know like I got a great job teaching yoga and I get to live in New York I get to live in America and as bad as America is it's like there's, just, there's so many horrible things happening to people in America but really outside of America too and um, I feel like you know, I complain, if I complain about things like it's cold outside I gotta remember that I have multiple jackets at home you know I got multiple hats but I but I think most people will say, like, you know, that there, there's the absence of, of empathy. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I, I, I feel bad. Like, I get it. Like, there are people in Somalia, uh, you know, that are, that are hurting. And, and this guy on, on, the, on, the, on the subway platform is he's in bad shape. But I'm cold. I'm cold. Mm -hmm. or, or, you know, I don't like my job. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, my lover's not treating me well. Mm -hmm. Me. Because I think sometimes we, we look at life from our own prism. We, we have to. Because the, the flip side is, you know, we get overloaded. You know, I'm worrying about you. I'm worrying about her. I'm worrying about him. So, you know, how, how do you, you know, you said that you, you kind of refocus and you say, like, look, I, I have so many things to be grateful for. Um, how do you make sure to, to keep that focus and not, not get that overwhelmed by... By negativity. Oh yeah, it's that's a that's a full time focus I think because it's so cause it's it's hard you know it's hard especially when everybody's negative. It's, and it gets a little tiring to try to kind of recorrect how people talk. 
So I think there's some truth in what people are saying. Like, even though people in Somalia are hungry, that doesn't make me any less hungry or cold myself. For me, it, it does affect what I broadcast. Because even the things that make me feel bad or sad or, or upset like that, I, I think it's just a, it's a matter of just not broadcasting. And, um, and I think when I hear people broadcast it, I just try to give them the benefit of the doubt that Either, it either comes from, from love or it comes from fear. And I think if, if I can break down the two, if anything, if anything anybody is saying is based in love and fear, and I, get, I guess it gives me a, a sense of empathy. Like, I think most people complain about the weather just because they don't have anything else to talk about. So I, I think it comes stems from a sense of wanting to make conversation with somebody. So there's a point in my life when I was like very critical of people, like, oh, it's cold out. I'm like, why are you talking about the weather? <laughs> But now I'm realizing, oh, this person just wants to have a conversation, you know? Yeah. So that's fine, you know? And instead of, like, being down on them, I can just redirect it and not comment on the weather. Or, or I can just say, you know, it's not that bad out. Think about it. And they might say, oh, you know what, you're right. It's a very positive way to look at it. I remember I was, uh, this was uh, last, not this past summer, but maybe, like, last summer. Um, I was in Thompson, no, I was in Washington Square Park, and it was hot. It was, like... It was one of those days where, like, my God, it's so hot. And I was sitting next to this guy. I just happened to be sitting there. I was taking a break, and this guy just happened to be not too far from me. And this guy with, like, he's like a young guy with a, in, like, a suit, and he his ties undone. And he just comes by to us. He goes, hey, guys, it's really hot, isn't it? And so the guy next to me goes, yeah, man, it's fucking hot. So you don't need to say that bullshit, all right? We get it. It's fucking hot. So shut the fuck up. <laughs> and so this guy is like, oh my God. <laughs> I was even like that too. I was like, he looked at me, I looked at him, I was like, it's hot. He, he, I think he said it all. But I just felt like, I just, I, sometimes I think back, like, he was coming from a place of like, I think, to, you know, to your point of like, you know, I, he wanted to commiserate and I don't think he was looking to, you know, be friends with us, but mm-hmm. he just said, just like a moment. Mm-hmm. But he was making an assumption. And so this other guy who's next to me was in a completely different place. Mm. That will set me off, actually, assumptions. I, I, I don't like when people assume things because I think it, it limits you know, what you can do. Exactly. So you mentioned before about um, you know uh, school and how there weren't a lot of people like you. I'm sure you've gotten a lot of labels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, this morning, actually. This, this morning when I was about to teach. Um, you know Kristen. Does the teacher Kristen? Uh, you know what's you know what's really tricky is nobody introduces themselves. Right. Okay. So everybody knows me, and sometimes they get really embarrassed right. that I don't know them. Right. Okay. Kristen. 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 So for the people at home that, that don't know, right, Kristen is a, a yoga teacher, and she's she's me and Van's hot teacher, and she's also African American. Right. So she's a short. Yes. Record, I know right? exactly who you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Kristen. So Kristen's great, and she was teaching right before me. And I came in, and she was still there. So we're having a conversation. And, you know, I'm, I'm having a baby soon. Right? And the, a, lady comes up, <laughs> a lady comes up to us. And she's like, oh, you guys are having a baby, right? My Did you know this person? You, I mean, uh, you knew her on the periphery, at least, right? Yeah, she goes to the studio. The baby shower's at the studio. So she at least was aware. Aware. She's seen the signs up. Which, mind you, is the picture of me and my girlfriend, who is pregnant, right? right? And Kristen is also like, you know, she's wearing a tank top. She just taught. So there's no visible sign <laughs> of her having a, be- a belly at all. And Kristen was just like, you know, me and her, that's not me. 
And the lady was like, oh, you know what? I'm doing that thing that white people do. And she's like, and we started laughing. She's like, yeah, I just, y'all were black, so I thought y'all were the ones having the baby. <laughs> and she, you know, the person, she, she was self-aware, so that kind of made it funny. A lot of times people aren't self-aware, though. It's not funny, you know? Yeah. It's just kind of assuming, like, oh, you're this person. So we have, so we figured this about you. And it's kind of, because me and Kristen are friends, thankfully, but, you know, it could have been an awkward moment. You know, like her assuming that me and Kristen are having a baby. When it, or, or, or even just that, okay, well, you two are black, so you should be friends. Yeah, uh-huh. Right? Mm-hmm. So sometimes, like, when I go, not, not to make this about the studio, but sometimes I go and, like, you know, maybe it's like you and it's Kristen or uh, I don't know if you know, you know, obviously you know Camille or, or like mm-hmm. if you see, like so then like from somebody who is, you know, just a quick judgment like, oh, well, it's, you know, it's 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 party time, you know, what I, or, 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 or something. Mm-hmm. And so that doesn't make it bad or good. It's only in terms of how they behave, obviously, if they flip out or if they say something. But again, I, so one thing that I've always um struggled with is is the concept of labels good or bad um so you know when i was growing up i you know being being asian american there was there was labels for me you know so there was labels of uh you know that i would be good at certain things i would be you know good at math i was actually dyslexic mm. and for a very long time and it wasn't uh, diagnosed until until high school but we had these tests where in elementary school where you um have the clock and then you have basically tell the time, you know, what you write down what time it is. Seems pretty simple. So if you know the time, then you can just write it down. And that that is that is something that is very challenging. Uh, even to this day, sometimes the the hands can get a little haywire for me. Um, numbers are, are, are a thing for me. But I didn't know it at the time, and I just remember. Um, uh, so there was two classes, and they're like kind of like teams. So everybody that passed this class got to go watch a cartoon with popcorn. It was a Sherlock's Holmes, Sherlock Holmes, uh, The Hounds of Baskervilles cartoon. It was one of my favorite like stories of Sherlock Holmes. And the people that failed got to be in this other class. And I just remember it was me and like, all the black kids. And, uh, and they were straight up with me. They were like, what the fuck are you doing in here? Shouldn't you be over there? Like, hey, man, you, gotta, you, you better go over there. The cartoon's starting. I was like, no, I failed. Like, what? You with us? <laughs> I, I was embarrassed, but they were like, what the fuck are you doing in here? I was like, I, don't, I'm, I failed. Like, I, 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 can't, I can't tell time. He's like, oh, you'll get it. Don't worry about it. But I just felt like, I just felt so, I felt stupid, but I felt stupid in the sense that, yeah, I should be doing this because everybody else thinks I should be doing this. So much pressure. So much pressure to be funny or cool or... If you're Asian, smart, or whatever the fuck else. I don't know. You know, whatever the But uh, But I feel is. like everything is just layered, right? So mm-hmm. you're, you're a musician. Oh, well, then you, you, you must be into, you know, you, you can't possibly be influenced by, like, uh, the symphony or, mm-hmm. or, or, you know, standard jazz. Yeah. And you have to do a lot of, like, uh, back work. You know, you got to, like, let people know you like Pink Floyd. But you really, just to let people know, because people already think you like Biggie Smalls. So you got to go, <laughs> go out of your way to be like, you know, I like rock music too. Or like, you know, I'm more likely to tell somebody that I like the symphony before I tell somebody I like rap. Because it's almost like you're embarrassed about the things you like. Cause right. It's, it's almost too easy, you know? Yeah. I remember I was in, 
like tenth grade, I was we went to this, I was eating Popeyes, and some kids like took a photo of me. Popeyes is fucking delicious. I don't care what you, <laughs> I don't care what you think, you know. But like, yeah. So sometimes even the quote unquote good stereotypes can like work against you, you know. When you so in that sc- the school that you're in, um, it was predominantly like um, upper middle class kids or white kids or. Thankfully for the school, there was. It was. It was. Yeah. It's easy to answer. It was mostly up in the class. There was, um, you didn't have to be the one to go there. There was like some of my best friends there. The majority of my friends there were black or another like uh, minority. But the institution itself was very like white dominant. Um, it was. And I think that was a little bit outside of the, the norm for the other public schools. Because they had like some like township schools, which is like a township, like a suburban school, and they were predominantly white. Now it's to be expected, but we were still a public school. But we just just a smart school. I think I just think that um, it just just by what it looked like, not as many members of the black community put as much of a focus on education as the white members, because that's just how the how the numbers look. So how was it socially? It was uh, it was cool socially because everybody was a nerd. So there there wasn't it wasn't like it was just like a cool group. I might have been considered, if anything, in the cool group, but we're all just nerds. And so I think everybody at least got, you learn to get along with different people, I think. Because, I mean, for me, it was just like having to get along with the really super nerds. Like, you know, I had an eighth grader in my 10th grade class, you know? And you can tell him shit. Like, he, <laughs> he thought he knew everything. So it was like kind of being around really smart kids, but there's also a lot of artistic kids. And it was kind of just being able to, like, navigate both spaces. And they took us on, like, field trips, you know, so we got to just... I was grateful that I got to see parts of the world that maybe people my age didn't get to see. What? Like, I got to go to um, Europe. Wow. When I was, like, 11 years old. You know, I got friends that didn't even leave. They didn't even leave town. Yeah. I, I know people that have never been in an airplane. Yeah. Yeah. Adults. Right. 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 And that was, like, the you know, my first birthday was in Mexico. You know? Wow. Like, my first one, I don't even remember it. I get told about it, you know? So kind of getting, getting put in that place of privilege has definitely, like, opened me up to like, navigating spaces. What about, uh, was it, was it, it was uh, co-ed school, or? It was co-ed school. Okay, so yeah. what about your interaction with, 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 with the nerd, nerd girls? The nerd girls? Oh, man. Um, in fact, the person I'm having a baby with, my partner, uh, we went to the same, we went to the same middle school. Oh, so she's a nerd, too. Yeah, she's a nerd, too. <laughs> <laughs> We're both nerds. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. Um, it was weird. It was funny, though, because all the girls that, all the girls hated dating the guys at our school. Our school was called, it's the name of the school, Assassin. That's the acronym for it. And they were always like, man, there's no dudes at this school. And then they would go to the, the bigger school, and all of them would end up being, like, turned out. Uh, I think they just kind of, it's kind of like cool, like, you think, like, the conservative girl who goes to college for the first year. And, and loses her mind. And loses her mind. Yeah. They, a lot of them would end up leaving our school midway through high school or whatever. And they ended up kind of getting a bad rap at the other schools. And he used to fit in or whatever. So, um, how long have you guys been together? We've been together um, since 19. So, uh, I'm 24 now, so five years. Yeah, we were friends since we were 12. Started dating when we were 19. Babies on the way November, November 2017. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, what's that like? It's cool. I mean, I don't have kids. Man, it feels like I got um, paired up for a science project <laughs> with, my, with the best part that I could, you know. 
because um, she's a doula, and she's, we just have such similar interests. It's just kind of like, if I was going to ever trust my child with somebody, she'd probably be the person I pick. And so it's kind of cool that this is her child, too. Like, we're doing this together. That, that feels good. I know. Does it make you more aware of, you know, like, babies in public or kids or teenagers? Because I, I, teenagers on the subway around, like, 2 o'clock, probably the worst, yeah. worst, worst visual experience in the world. Mm-hmm. They just, I don't know what it is. It's like they, like, chimpanzees on six cups of coffee. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just like sour straws and like Skittles, yeah. I mean, you you must think about this. I do. When I see the babies now in the strollers, I get that little, I like look. You know, I look at them, I'm like, wow, it could be me. It will be me soon. You know, God will. Um, yeah, I guess it puts me, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, just, I do look at that a lot. It's been helping out my yoga experience because I just think about like reincarnation. Right? I think about like all the things that I, I, I learned growing up and still growing, how I can pick and choose with the things that gets taught as far as what I teach them. And then the, kind of the realization that at some point it'll be out of my hands, that'll be, that'll be out in the world, the rest of the people, you know? So I got like maybe four years tops to make sure I get the things I want them to teach, I want them to learn, kind of get that instilled before they go off to school and like, kind of those things get put to the test. So this is something that I always post to, you know, friends or people that I meet that are, that are parents or, or prospective parents. Um, how, how do you juggle the, the desire to be a good parent and your own ego? I don't know yet. I, keep t- I, keep, I told my mom the other day, I was like, man, the baby's going to have to get with it or they're going to have to get lost. <laughs> my mom was like, watch, you'll see. Because, uh, you know, you hear about, like, these, you know, these, these uh, you know, dance moms or these, these, these parents that, you know, my, my kid's going to be the next LeBron James oh, right. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, that, those are, like, drastic examples. Mm-hmm. But e- even something like, you know, I, 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 you know I, I want to, you know, have my daughter's head less, rest on my chest while I read to her. That has nothing to do with her. Mm-hmm. That's, that's all about, like, him. That's his... It's his visualization of what he wants. Yeah. That's his ego. Mm-hmm. And it's not bad. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is, you know, how do you balance that as, mm-hmm. as a parent? I really, 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 really just want to be healthy. That's like, that's all I care about. Even, because I've had some friends deal with the loss of a child, you know, and it's kind of watching them go through that. It's like, you know, I think about that every day, you know. And on the eve of like me having a child, I just want them to be healthy. If I can't, because that, that means, because we're both yogis, you know, like, you know, like, just the fact that you can walk, period, is like a miracle, you know? And then you see yourself being able to walk, and then you see yourself to bend and fold and you can twist and you can do all these miraculous things, and, you know, not everybody can even walk, you know? So that means the baby can do whatever the hell they want as long as. They're healthy. That's what. That's what. Then I'll feel okay. You know? Who's gonna be the? Who's gonna put throw down the hammer? The hammer. What if it's like screw you, mom? Uh-huh. I'm not doing this shit. I think I'm. I think <laughs> I'm gonna have to do it because I think I'm ready for it. You know, <laughs> watching people in the hot room. You know, <laughs> doing what they want to do, for better or worse. I think and just. I think I'll be a good. I think I'm gonna have to put the hammer down. You know, I. You know, I think I have to tell the kids. Like, I, I. As long as they have a reason, 
when I was growing up, my parents always had like a reason why. Like you can do this if you want A and B, but just realize how how this is gonna set you up. And this that's not a good look for you. And just kind of make them think. I think a lot of times we tell people to do stuff without. When how old were you when you received that message of of that kind of okay here are your options? Because I, most parents are like, no, you're you're doing it. Yeah, I think the first time I can remember it was when I I was bullying my brother. Me and my brother are four years apart, and I was bullying my brother. I might he's been, younger. Yeah, he's younger. I was I may have been eight. He might have been four. And my my dad sat me down and he's like, "Why do you talk to your brother like that? I never seen you stand up." talk to your friend like that he's like you talk to your brother like this but you got a whiny voice you're irritating but you don't you don't stand up to people your age so how does that look on your part and i and he could have easily just grounded me but just kind of making me feel bad right <laughs> made me like i never i tried to never bully my brother again you know and that kind of stuck with me for life like don't treat people like you, you can you can treat somebody some way because you can but you don't really have like the gall to do it to somebody else because you feel, you're afraid you should just treat everybody good. That's, that kind of also drives me positive. Like, every time I, I, I pick on a kid, but I wouldn't pick on another kid. And then my dad would come back and like, you can't pick on everybody. Don't pick on anybody. Now. How would your brother describe you? We're good now. We're good now. Um, I used to be hard on him, though, because I wanted him to be like me. And he just is not. You know, he's just his own person. What does that mean? Like, I wanted him to be, like, excel in the things that I excelled in. Like, I tended to be, like, uh, an academic person, but also like a social person. I, try, I played sports, things like that. And he kind of just, he's a little more laid back. It's hard to get him like fired up about anything. Well, what, what did, what's he into? He's into music. He's, he's, he really, he told, he, I heard him say just recently that he's like, for him, he would really just like to have a regular life. And just have like a house and a job that would just only a job. Like he could come home and would never think about it and he could have against um, a wife or a girlfriend or a partner or something like that and they could just have a crib and he could have a car and he could just you know, smoke his weed on the weekends <laughs> and watch TV. I agree with one of those things. Right. You know, you know, it, it, the, way, and the way he said it, it was fine. Like, you know, it doesn't sound bad, you know? I, I'm glad. Like, he's old. We're, we're both like over 18 now so I'm like, okay, I can kind of respect that, you know? But growing up, I was always like, I want to be the best, the best everything. You know, I want to come to New York and do a film, mm-hmm. film guru, and I want to da 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 da. But like, as I'm getting older and kind of enjoying my life and kind of seeing celebrities and like seeing them at least perceivably not enjoying their life, like, okay, maybe my brother was on or something. Maybe it's nice to just be like yourself. Yeah, I um, yeah, I mean, I I came to I came to New York for uh, a. a a life in a life in theater and a life you know making movies and, and stuff and um, and I was just I'm so ambitious I was just like you know what uh, I'm not gonna worry about this I'm not gonna worry about that I'm not gonna worry about interpersonal relationships I'm just gonna be steadfast and I remember one of the short films that I, I did I was I was receiving an award and um, I, I wasn't I just remember getting the award and I just remember not even being there and it's like and they were like, and then I just turned, and the guy said, the "Guy was motioning me to to say something." And then I realized, we realized where I was, and I just had this sinking feeling because, I mean, I had done press, so I I kind of regurgitated that stuff about the movie. I'm like, oh, thank you and stuff. But I just remember thinking, like, so this is it, you know? This 
I, I busted my ass, and this is my apex. Oh God! Because like I had another thing worry. Like I was there was the worry that crept in. Yeah. Okay. Now you gotta move. Like move it. Move. move you gotta you know move the chains to this the other thing. Keep going. And I just kept thinking like, you know, this thing that is like mostly plastic and wood and maybe some metal. Like who I, who cares? What am I gonna do? Like post this and then people are gonna like like it? Yeah. That's right. it. Like, and then I started thinking like. You know, all these people were coming up to me and said, oh, great work and stuff like that. And then what? So does that validate me? Because, like, that's what I've been working toward. This validation of, like, you're a great artist. You're a great actor. You're a great writer. You're a great director or whatever. But if I strip that away, who am I? So I started going crazy. Because I said, like, I, I went all in. I put all my chips into, like, being important, being an artist. I'm like, so if I take that away... You know, take a runner's legs away. Well, who are you? Who are you really? If, I didn't know. So I started, you know, I take these long walks in the city. And I was just like, geez, I, I don't know who I am. You know, and, and it wasn't, and I'm saying this with, with, without hubris, it wasn't because of a, a lack of talent. Um, I was booking things as an actor and I was, you know, uh, and I, you know I was writing and I was breaking. I, I felt like, you know, I... I was gaining momentum, and I just felt like, this doesn't feel right. You know, I felt like these are fruit, this is fruit from a poisonous tree. And I was just, uh, I was like, I, I need to pivot. I need to change. I need to do something. You know, I, I, I need to, I'm not growing. Uh, the, the things, I'm pushing so hard, and what I'm getting, it's like empty calories. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I need to push myself, and I get something, and I need to push itself, and I get more. Okay, you know, I'm just like, eating and, and, and not gain, not, not gaining any, any nutrients. And I'm just, and so I, I started to say like, well, let's, you don't know who you are. Like, let's be real. Let's find out who you really are. So I started doing, I started investigating that, you know, and I started, you know, I started trying things that I'd never done before. Um, like yoga. Well, funny story about yoga. Um, so my girlfriend has always pushed me to, so We've been together for six years, seven years, sorry, right. seven. Awesome. So, uh, so she'd been going to the studio and she was like, so I, I was starting to get curious about it because I, I, uh, I was doing jujitsu and everybody was saying like how it helps, you know, just the flexibility and all the athletes that I admired, they, they did yoga, Sugar Ray Leonard. And so I said, you know what, I want to do it. So I started going on YouTube and then she said, so I said, um, you know, I was telling Kaz, you've met Kaz, right? Yeah, yeah. So I said, hey, can you show me, like, how to do some of these? She's like, no. I'm not going to show you anything. You need to go. That's it. You, you're, you're not going because you're afraid. Okay, Kaz. And I'm like, yeah, because I, I don't know. Like, I've never done it before. And, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look stupid. She's like, what? Are you going to look stupid? I said, yeah, I'm going to look stupid. She said, wrong. Like, that's, that's, that's fear. You shouldn't. You want to go. So you should go. So I, I, I sucked it up and I went. I went to a, a vinyasa class. And I said, yeah, that's pretty good. Like, I'm dig- it's okay. Like, I'm digging it. And then, like, the next weekend, I went to go meet her. But I went and I got the, the time wrong. And uh, do, you remember, do you remember Charlie? I do remember Charlie, yeah. So he was working the front desk. And I was like, what's this other room for? Because he told me that, the, that I got the time wrong. 
And so he said, I said, well, that's, the, that's where we do hot yoga. And he was explaining to me, at that time, it was, it was, it was still 90. Yeah, he was like, da, 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 da. he's like, you know, you're not, you're not gonna, you know, it's gonna be really rough, but at the end, uh, it's gonna be very rewarding. I went, oh, so you, you want to do it? You, you know, we're, it's gonna start in like five minutes. I went, oh, okay, because you know, because I had missed the time for the, oh, okay. So yeah, it was brutal, brutal. I like, I said, <laughs> I was, I had no idea. Like, oh my god, was Charlie teaching? Yeah. Oh. Okay. And so, um, and so. You know, yeah. So as it evolved and it grew, and you know, and he and he's an intense teacher. He's an intense. Teacher. He's like a drill sergeant. Yeah. You know, and and I remember so about like a month in, and I'll wrap. I know this is a long story. I wrap. Uh, so I was telling. He's like, so how's it going? He checked in with me, and I went, you know, uh, I was I was really intent on and getting better, but I, I just kind of let that go. So, she, so he said, so you're having fun. I said, yeah, actually, it's kind of fun now. He went, hmm, okay. So then I went in the room, and it was exceptionally hot. Like, I noticed, like, people were, like, reacting. Like, like I was like, yeah, this is pretty fucking hot. And, like, and we hadn't even started. Crack at the heat? Like, what? It's fucking hot. And so he, I, I just felt like everything was, like, you know, the, the minute poses were a like minute 20, 30 minutes were, like, 40, 40 seconds. I'm like, what the fuck's going on? And so during the first uh, Savasana, he comes over and he whispers in my ear, still having fun? I went, what? And he went, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm going to pass out. I mean, I'm shaking. It's so hot. Everybody else is like, what happened? Like three-fourths of the class quit. Like they, not quit, but uh-huh. like, uh-huh. then he steps over me. <laughs> I'm like, wow. And then after the class, <laughs> I said, you turned up the heat, didn't you? And he, he smiles and goes, maybe. I went, holy shit. Is he you coming back tomorrow? Yes or no? I went, yeah, I'll come back. Sure. Yeah. And I was like, wow. That's great. No, but like, anyway. So the, the reason I tell that story is because I found, I found, like, in that room, like, I found a, a, a doorway to who I could be. And so that's why I come back. So... And I think when you, when you discover something, whether it's skiing or tennis or playing a video game, you find joy. And then you get really good at it because you just do it over and over again. And then for me, um, you know, I just found that, you know, and a lot, I, I learned this from a, a variety of, like, studying but with a different a, a kaleidoscope of different teachers because everybody's different. And what I learned was... It doesn't have to be anything that they say. It can be, it could be like a, an intense workout. It could be something where uh, meditation, or it could be me just kind of just kind of going through. It can be whatever it is for me. But at the end, I will always feel better than in the beginning. And so it's up to me to learn. And if I open that door, I can walk through. So that's. So then, you know, from there, I started, I started pivoting more and learning more about myself and, and, and about, you know, about meditation and, you know, doing things like this. And that was kind of like the, kind of the, the, the precipice of, like, why I started this show, you know, to, because if I'm going through this, I, I, I knew that other people were kind of having these ideas with their own lives, you know, of, you know, struggling with identity or, or, you know, what is it, 
you know, what are we striving for? How, how, do, we, how do we cultivate our existence and how do we become better? Um, so how did you get started? So I've always been curious, you know, how did you get started? In the high? No, just in, like, just with yoga. yoga. Editing. Yeah, sound editing. My back was just... Really? Hurting. Yeah. yeah. And, of course, it was a girl related. Um, a girl I had a crush on that time. She's like, oh, if your back's hurting, you should take yoga. You know, so I was like... And I went down to the... Um, I went with her to take a vinyasa class. And this big, bro-like guy. His name was Johnny. And he was like, yeah, I'm going to teach this yoga <laughs> All right, let's do this yoga. And, like, it was cool because, you know, I only seen yoga once before in high school for one gym class. Our teacher just popped in the VHS. And it was, like, you know, like, three yogi, yogi girls on the mountain, on a mountain, like, uh-huh. stretching. And, you know, I'm, like, 17 or 16. And for me, my friends were just laughing at it, not taking it serious. But then to actually be in the class, you know, it's packed, it's sweaty. You know, and just kind of be humble with that. You know, some of the stuff it just was like felt impossible, but this big guy was like teaching us. So I was like, okay. The fact that he was there kind of made it feel like I could, I could go back. And then I started going back, and then like, then it just started cracking. Like, you know, like I, I, I turned my head in a way I never turned it, and my back would crack open in a good way, and I feel like this lift. And it's kind of like I never knew I was in that much pain until it started subsiding, you know, and things started opening up. And it kind of opened the whole world of like, wow, you're holding on to tension you never even knew existed. For the people that I know, um, honestly, I got way, like, I already have a lot of respect for you. The fact that your first high class was 90 minutes with Charlie, <laughs> it's like, I'm never going to worry about you in class anymore. I'll be like, all right, he can, he can take it. Yeah, he can take it. And, and he was one of my first teachers, too. And Yo, people, I didn't know this, but a teacher told me that Sometimes people find out would find out he's teaching. They would turn and just leave. Oh yeah! I'm like, what? Oh yeah! Char- Charlie was scary. Uh, he was scary, and that was cool for me too because having that class because you know Charlie was really tiny. And he's a small, tiny guy, but he he be so fierce, and he said, "If you can, then you must." And at first, I took that as like, "What does he mean? If I can, I must." How's he gonna tell me to do it? But he kept saying it, and then towards the end of class, he's like, "But you can't do it. Don't do it." You know? He was just like. But if you can, you should do it because, you know, you should be the best you can be. And that kind of taught me, I was like, you know, nobody's, you know, you can tell, you can put a story in your head about how, why people are saying what they're saying, or you can just take it for what it's worth, you know. From that point on, when a teacher says something, I try not to think that they're being malicious or I don't let the dialogue that they're judging what I'm doing in the head. I'm like, maybe they're just genuinely trying to help. But yeah, then, and then something the other started opening things up. Opening up sound, opening up my relationships with people, it opened up my creative process. I started piecing things together a little bit more evenly. Because you know what we don't talk about in, in classes, you know, before you should even get to your shapes, you know, on the limbs of yoga, the first limb is the yamas. And the yamas are all about nonviolence, um, telling the truth, um, not hoarding. And that can be hoarding items or like you know, hoarding thoughts and not or, or stealing. You know, there's all these different principles that, like, if you if you clean your like you clean your house, if you clean your studio up, you're gonna make a better you're gonna make a better project. Your mind's clear. And so just you know, you you, start, you find yoga that pops up, pops up everywhere. How did you make the leap from student to teacher? I thought it'd be cool. 
literally just a, a teacher said, you know, you should be teacher training. And I just thought that sounded cool, you know? It was very, I think, very ego-based. I was like, you know, it would be cool for me to be a yoga teacher. <laughs> and then when I started doing it, I just kind of fell in love with it, you know? And now I'm at a place where I'm like, I really like it to be as little about me as possible. I, I think of less of me in a little teacher now, and myself as more of a student, and, and seeing how the, the students, quote unquote, can teach you something, you know? Mm-hmm. No two classes, you know, some people are really good about having the same dialogue each class, which is to their credit. I, I, I admire people that. For me personally, my experience has been more like really having nothing planned, but like let's say I see somebody in a pose and trying to understand what they're going through, and maybe I can say some things that can help them keep going in that direction. So then it becomes less about what I want. And I try to never say, I want you to do this. Instead, I'm like, if you're going to do that, you should do it in this way. It's going to help you get to where you're trying to go. And I think that's been able to take the pressure off me to be like, I'm teaching you something. And put more of the onus on you to learn something about yourself. And it also leaves me a wiggle room to just be myself. Because I'm like, you know, just in daily life, you know, if we're all just trying to be ourselves, I'm under less obligation to impress anybody, you know? Right. In this, you can room for improv to improv, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's kind of a a good analogy of life. So, how does that influence your music? The music, it, the yoga influences my music creatively in a way that I, I like to sequence things now. I like to think about how movement is recursive. Like, if the things that show up maybe in second one, how do they? Envelop and develop to to the last part of the track. So then, some some elements that you might hear in the beginning, how do you bring them back to make sense of the things in the end? And it helps me put different things in conversation. Um, I have a sound design background, like I did film. Film was my first passion, so I I'm not as musically inclined as like a pianist who can train, but I'm more likely to watch like I'm probably gonna watch Silence of the Lambs, and like I use a clip of his voice and make it into a beat, you know, something oh, like that. Oh, that's wild. Um, and then, in terms of, it's, it's also, yoga's helped me, like, be less concerned about how people receive the music, and like, it lets me take more chances. But I think there was a period when I was kind of concerned about, like, how, how many likes is this going to get? Or who is going to hear this and do people like it? But I started to realize how, how my own relationship with music is. I don't care about people's music that much, you know? I like it, I like it, I don't, I don't, but I'm not obsessing over it. So I'm like, people probably aren't obsessing over me either. You might as well just make the music that you like to make. Right. And then that's where, that's really art. Mm. That's not commerce, that's art. Mm, mm, mm-hmm. So what gets you excited now? Not just music, but what gets you excited? I'm getting excited. Other people being excited gets me really excited. Because I think it's, I'm really impressed by that. You know, because... There's so much room to just kind of be closed off. So when I see somebody just being vibrant or being themselves, it's really an inspiration. Yeah. What, um, you mean in, in just something of, that they're doing or a project that they're on or something that you are... Like people, people walking down the street just singing out loud with their headphones on, that gets me excited. Um, street performance gets me really excited. Cause that's something I'm still scared to do. So I'm like really inspired by that. Anytime somebody's like telling the truth, gets me inspired. Especially when it goes against what everybody else is saying. Everybody's saying, yeah, yeah. And I was like, no, actually I feel this way. 
to be jazzed up. What would you say to somebody that that don't that doesn't have these these outlets? You know, that doesn't have music or yoga or um, that is that is kind of hearing the you know all these these what you know that either many voices or one voice of oh why should I even bother uh, you know does anybody even care do I care uh, what's this all about you know I'm just paying bills mm-hmm. because that is a rut that we mm-hmm. can get get into we can get on that hamster wheel especially living in New York or I guess in any city um, you know what would you say to that person. I would definitely, you know, keep it, keep it sugar-free, keep it sucker-free. Like, if things suck, it's okay to say they suck. Um, if you say it more than once, you just linger on it. That's your fault. Um, so I think, you know, it's, it's hard to tell people that, like, things will get better, because I don't know if they will. Um, but if you're dwelling on it, that's probably not very productive. What do I say to people? Like, you mean, like, to get them... In what way? Like, well, let's just say I said that to you. Like, quasi, you know, I'm in a rut. I feel like everything I'm doing, it just, it sucks, and uh-huh. I don't want to do anything anymore. Uh-huh. Right? Okay, yeah. I'd probably be like, man, that sucks. I just let it rock. <laughs> <laughs> I just let it rock. I would continue to eat my food. I'd be like, yo. If I, if I, had, some, if I had some available options for them, like, yoga, I'd be like, try yoga. I would say try yoga. If they say, if they say something like, oh, I don't like yoga, I'd be like, okay. Gotta let it rock then, you know? Um, gotta let you rock. Somebody, somebody told me something really cool. It was like, kind of getting out of this matrix. You know, if this word is like the matrix and like, you know, media wants you to think a certain way. And you know, like our food is like poison. You know, things are just, mm-hmm. things you, people, I think people know. I mean, I think I know. You know what I mean? Like, there's other ways to live other than status quo, basically. I feel like you can't free it. Like, they, 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 contact, they uh, compared it to, like, escaping a prison. And in escaping a prison, you can't do it by yourself. Because you're going to need somebody to watch your back or help you on the outside. So you're going to need at least need to take a few people with you when escaping a prison. But if you try to take the whole prison, nobody can escape because not everybody can leave so I, I kind of treat like that, you know, like, you can't, you could just, everybody can't leave this matrix, because otherwise, you know, something's going to happen. That's, you see, like, if your, your favorite leader gets assassinated because they, they start telling too much of the truth, and people start listening. I think if you can, like, maybe either lead by example or bring a few people with you, then you, I think you've already done more um, than, than most, and maybe that's enough for you. So what um, what are some uh, uh, what are some ways do you think that people now you lent me a book on breathing which yeah. I, I'm still going through um, what what are some things that 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 you know either you do or you would recommend that somebody do that that or maybe in a, in a confined space like mm-hmm. in an office or a subway maybe in there in their car they're stuck yeah. in traffic. I think that elimination is like the best, like the more things you can eliminate from yourself, I think the more stronger the things that you like are. Um, Like reading helps me eliminate a lot of things because it gives me insight on stuff. 
Ooh, let me think about that for a minute. What was the question again? Just things that, like, you know, uh, that we can do that aren't so big. Right. You know, okay. that, like, you know, like, go go do yoga oh, or, right. you know, go start jogging. Well, it's like oh, that's well, it a, a lot of anxiety takes place in confined spaces. Okay. Like an office or a car. Yeah, what what helps me out is like appreciate just simply appreciating that there's not a lot of things I can do. If anything, I can't really do anything. So the very small things I can do, really, uh, I, I start to appreciate. Like I can't, if I can't like change, if I can't get like six pack abs, you know. You do you do fine there. Oh, I posted okay. that photo of you. Everybody okay. was like, "Good God!" All right, let me think of an example. If, if I can't, like, if I can't be like. Something I don't know. If you can't be something, it can get really overwhelming that you don't see all the small things you can do. Like people say, it's hard to get into reading. So I think just read like a page. You know, if you can read a page, I read the Bushida book you gave me. I started off with a page, and that page had a lot of good stuff on it. Like you told me, it's open anyway. And that that good stuff got me through through the day. And um. Now, if I was getting up flustered that I couldn't finish the book, I probably wouldn't have opened the book, you know? Right. But I've been reading, I read, I read a page, and the other day I read 10 pages, and the other day I read 15, um, and I haven't read for three days or so, but maybe tomorrow, maybe today I'll, I'll pick the book back up. Just take small steps, y'all. Like, do small stuff. That'll add up. It's like, you know, picking up pennies, you know, make a dollar eventually, you know? Like, just... Don't worry about that. Like, if you're trying to be like a, a rock star, you really do got to just play. You got to start today, you know. And if you, I would ask, why do you want to be a rock star? Like, what yeah, is why it? do you want to be a rock star? Yeah, like right. why, why, why that's you know, or you know, why do you a rock star, a movie star, or mm-hmm. why do you know? Um, so I work with I work with a lot of you know I work with underserved uh, uh, young adults, mm-hmm. uh, you know eight. 18 to 24, um, you know, we create um, uh, uh, education and workforce plans for them. And so, you know, obviously everybody wants to be either an athlete or entertainer. And a lot of it is, you know, I, I want to get a job. Okay, mm-hmm. great. Then what? Because, mm-hmm. you know, you're, if you're unhappy, and I, I don't ever, I don't, I, I typically don't divulge it from experience. But the thing is, you know, what I was alluding to before. Okay, so you 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 know you want a job, but you don't have a job. Okay, you get a job. Guess what? You're gonna want a better job. Mm. You're gonna you're in a cube. You want to be in, then you want to be in an office. Mm. You know, um, it that ambition without any without any roots, you're just gonna keep going and you keep yeah. going. And so the thing is, look, if you have no joy, if you have no joy, then then and because like I was saying before, like I wasn't experiencing joy. So you, what you do is you muscle through. Like this sucks now, but I'm gonna go through this, and because at the end I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get my degree, I'm gonna get my certification, or I'm gonna get a raise or whatever. And then you get it, and then what? I remember reading Riddick Bowe. He said, you know, once he became heavyweight champion of the world, he said, I didn't know what to do with my life, mm. and so it, it went downhill fast for him. But that's it. You know, like who are you? What's important to you? At, at, you, you, and we should all ask these questions. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know, that's okay. Why not? Like, start start being on a path to, to finding out who you are, mm-hmm. you know? And I realized that this was kind of like the journey for me to create this show, but it's the journey of my that'll be for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. So the answers that I may come up with today, 
I'm pretty sure they'll be different a year from now, five years from now, ten years from now. I would hope so. You know, you know, we could have this conversation. I hope we have this conversation in five years where you'll be a father and, you know, um, and then we'll, it'll be different. I think our, hopefully our core will be the same, but yeah. we'll have different experiences and, you know, we'll, we'll, be, we'll, we'll have changed. Yeah. I like what you said about the core. That's what I was really thinking, and I'm glad you, you put it to words. It's like, when you kind of appreciate your base is joy. All the other stuff is just layers on top, you know? Like, just eliminate, just clear out stuff, and you'll find that the base layer is joy. Like, we only talk about religious, but I'm a pretty religious person, and, like, I believe that, like, the God in me is, like, there's a joy, you know? Like, we all have a piece of God in us, and, like, for me, that, like, that's kind of enough, you know? That's why sometimes it's like, how do I do this? I'm like, I don't know. If you just, but, like, Underneath all that is like a desire to be happy. So maybe just meditate on peace instead of like trying to be peaceful. Just meditate on the concept that there is that you are peace. It's the, yeah, I, I think at the time at the heart of you is your peace. There's less to worry about. Mm. So I, I, I said this in our, and, and I brought this up a few times about what's important. What's important to you? Things that are important to me is. Um, a sense of connectivity with the rest of the world that I find through um, divine energy. Uh, an appreciation that we all have the same set of, I, of energies and frequencies. They're just all tuned a little bit different from person to person. Um, family is pretty important to me. And blood is not. And I really like snacks. You mean family how you define it, not, yeah, not blood yeah. relatives. Uh, my brother's adopted. I, um, most of my aunts and uncles have stepkids or like kids they just put brought into their own. Um, family is like way beyond blood for me. Way beyond blood for me. Um, and lastly, and not any less important, I love snacks. I love snacks. <laughs> What's your go-to snack? My favorite snack right now, I'm, I'm getting these mochi rice cakes, uh -huh. like crunchy, salty snacks. I really like caramel corn. Caramel corn's my jam. Really? I'm not a huge fan of caramel corn. Really? I love caramel corn. I don't know. And I love nuts. Cashews are like... Alright. Are you big? Are you big sweets guy? Big sweets. So yeah. like Halloween, like candy corn? I like candy though. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I've not... You know, when I was a kid, that's all I ate. Mm. I, I'm, you know, I would have probably been diabetic. But then one day, like, I don't know what happened. It, I just said, eh, I don't want to do it anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't drink soda. Mm -hmm. I don't, like, I can't stand candy. Mm -hmm. um, occasionally, I have some chocolate. But I'm not a, not a big deal for me. And, like, I, I'll be with people, and they're going straight for, like, the tiramisu. And I'm just like, I, I don't, didn't, I don't, this has no effect on me. It's like a different language. Yeah, I've been vegetarian for three months now, and that's been good. And I was just thinking that as like, how, when am I going to kick these sweets? I don't know yet. You know, when you, when you eliminate something, you, your body craves something else. Okay. So, yeah, so like I, I, I so I'm, I'm a vegetarian too. And, you know, so my initial reaction when I first, you know, went like plant-based was, you know, what people would tell me like, oh my God, like what do you do for protein? So it was just really a matter of like educating yourself, but like. That it was really never an issue. So the things that I crave, I crave because of a, a psychological thing. Like when I was a kid, 
you know, as a kid, I used to, and it's going to sound really disgusting, but, you know, my, my family didn't have a lot of money. So my mom used to get these bad cuts of meat and they used to, you know, the meat with the fat still on it. And so she cooked it up and like, I would eat that. Mm -hmm. So I don't crave anything. I don't crave hamburgers. I don't give, I don't care about, you know, hot dogs. I just, I I, I think about that. Because I think about the warmness of my mom. I think about being in the kitchen. I think about her, like, it's sizzling. and That's, so I tie that, I, I, I realize now, I tie that all in. It's, it's psychological. It's not really like, oh, my God, I want that steak fat. Right. So, yeah, I know what you mean. It's like a comfort. It's like, yeah, it's comfort. So for October, I've given, like, I, I've given up alcohol. So, okay. I mean, the wine bottles are my girlfriend's. <laughs> so I've given up, and she said, I fuck that, I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. So the thing I, I so I have been craving some some sweet stuff. Mm. So like I said, so and it's very unusual, but like a Cinnabon or something like that. Like mm-hmm. my, like if I walk by like a Penn Station, I'll walk by and go, hmm. I mean, it, it's just it's just interesting how the 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 brain how it can play like it can kind of there's like, like this destructive I can like yeah say yeah. like no I want that I want that and it has nothing to do with the body. Sometimes it does. I mean, obviously, if you're hungry, your body will say, mm-hmm. feed me. But your body doesn't know what a Cinnabon is. There's a, I have a lot of self-destroying... Yeah, there's like that, that urge to kind of like just veg out on it. I don't know what it is. is that, on on what? Like on anything, just kind of that is, it makes me like inert. Like I'll eat sweets to like a can of them. <laughs> like one thing like you'll get on like you'll ride like the yeah, like the rice I, bun and like mm-hmm, like a thing spiral thing spiral mm. I think that's a compulsive your your compulsive uh, personality mm. right like yeah. you just said I get into something and I want to win yeah so that doesn't change mm-hmm. so that's in you 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 learn you learn how to coax it and make it to who you are but I think you know like the, that like that compulsion to deep dive into something mm-hmm. I think well you know that's always going to be there mm-hmm. you know what you know if whether it's whether it's uh, a food or religion or uh, yoga or or even something destructive for you know God forbid um, that's nature and nurture of how how we're designed mm-hmm. so before I let you go I, I, there are two questions that I ask uh, I'll, I'll guess so I, I'll hit you with this first one so you talked about your, your, your heyday of being a nerd. I gotta see photos. I don't I don't believe that you're a nerd. Oh man, I gotta show you something. If you were to 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 time travel back then and let's say the fifteen year old you, sixteen year old you, what would you tell that version of you? I say keep it going for him. Keep it going for him. It's gonna it's gonna pan out. It's gonna pan out. Don't worry about the uh don't worry about that darkness that you you uh, just keep swimming. Just keep swimming, yeah. Uh, it's gonna work out. I just promise it's gonna work out. Yeah. Like you're not crazy. I would tell my 15 year old, you are not crazy. The, the, the things that you think are cool now and the ideas you have, people would think that that shit is cool on these days. Like, keep doing you. People are gonna they're gonna start to receive that. Even if it's not in this small bubble that you're in right now, you, there's some like-minded people that you out there. What would you say is the sig- most significant change? in you from, from then and now? Uh, just the outwardness. Just the outward expression. I'm, I'm introverted just by nature. So I think the big change is me being comfortable with more than three people in the room. 
I'm pretty good with two people. What about like a? I'm like good a, with twenty like, people. Like a party. Because there's some anonymity there. Ah, uh, yeah, I see. With that middle line of just like where you can be seen by more than one person, I've been getting better at like still be still keeping retaining who I feel like I am. Okay, so here, here's the big one. We, we it's led up to this. What is happiness to you? Mm. Happiness to me is how you word it. The feeling of happiness is to me to me is the moment right before you realize you haven't been thinking. You had like the moment right when you come back to oh wow what time is it? That moment is kind of like that flow state. That flow state when like the moment when you like you check you know you check your watch you like hanging out with somebody and things are going good you're like oh shit what time is it? Mm-hmm. What time is it? That moment right before that moment is happiness. You know because nothing else really matters. You know you're really too present to even you know to give it you know to to even process too present to process that could be a song too present to process too present to process yeah. <laughs> Klaus thank you so much for doing this uh, where can people find you where can people find your music cool um, so I'm working on this new project this is called uh, what is the exact word of it bands oh uh, Curious World Podcast Curious World yeah Curious World actually was uh, a big inspiration of the project I'm working on now uh, I'm making a project called In the World it's kind of a play on um uh, you know, Jesus keeps in the world, but not mm-hmm. of the world. And as well as I've been, I've been peeping your show. Yeah, I like the, I like the, the eighties. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. I really dig the eighties. Um, so you can check it out on HeyQuasi.com. Where we're doing right now is, um, really in, inspiration of what Van's doing. It's like, I'm taking my GoPro out and just going in the world and recording things. I saw you posted something in in Washington Square Park. Oh yeah, uh huh. And that was that was just a photo. That was just a quick, quick, quick. For the actual thing, we just recorded. We just made a documentary called "Family Matters," mm-hmm. and it chronicles a family in Saginaw that are um, getting together for the first time uh, since thirty years. It's been thirty years since like all the sisters have been together. Who who are these people? They're um, so they're they're it the sin the, the the reason we went down there is because there was a sister who did not grow up with her other three sisters. There's four of them. So then she she had, and she has a. Uh, Muscular dystrophy, so she has a challenge, of, you know, her movement. She's physically challenged, and so she she came from California, where she was staying with her caretaker type person. And they went to Saginaw, Michigan, to be with her family again, and it was just kind of seeing all these different personalities come together after 30 years. You know, people are getting older. Uh, they're all in their 60s now. Their mom is 88, so just kind of letting them reconnect and just being getting to be able to immerse into the family kind of sit with them and eat with them was like a big part of the, uh, the work. Wow. And how, so these, these segments are all, uh, you've broken them out into like little segments? Yeah, or? they're originally broken out into little segments, but for the sake of um, accessibility for the family, I made it just a continuous stream on YouTube. Okay. So if you go to YouTube, you can watch, it's a 17 minute doc, you can all watch all five episodes. It's kind just, of Netflix. So just type in The Family Matters? Oh, um, you just go to uh, heyquazi.com. Okay. Q-U-A-Z-Z-Y. There's a tab on the videos, and on the videos, it's a whole page called In the World. Okay. Does your name uh, uh, mean anything? Quasi? 
probably get that a lot. Yeah. Um, I found it on a notebook of mine that I had from when I was in like 11th grade. And I needed a rap name. So, I went Quasi. Because <laughs> I think of quasars. Uh-huh. I think uh-huh. of like, I take a, I go like, oh yeah, he's out of the world. Yeah, and Quasi means semi. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So heyquasi.com, and, we, and people can get all the info in there and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Quasi, thank you so much for doing this. This is great. Thank um, you. You'll have to come back and enlighten us more. Mm-hmm. And that is our show. That was my conversation with uh, Quasi. Isn't he, isn't he a sweetheart? Uh, as promised, here is another song. Uh, it's one of my personal favorites from his catalog. It's called Do. Thank you so much for listening. Go out and do good in the world. Bodhisattva. Yeah, Jen. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey, my name is Squaz and I'm with my people. Okay, we could do it just like y'all, but we'd rather do it our way. At our pace, on our strength. Y'all go do that rat race. Everyone be star face, I'll be the man in the black shades. I do you. Great. My double pump the duo that will run through all your backspace. Your whole family, your people, Diddy Junior, Holland, Ricky. Your son is not my nephew, but he call me Uncle Nicky. The homies call me Caesar because I write with the light wrist. Still drop heaviness. Any hand dominant. Right wrist, left wrist. Pin game strong, palms like my firearms. Shirts off, guns out under trees with the palms. Got a poem in my heart, but I'd rather kick a song. Got a positive message, but I'd rather give it raw. I be talking lots of junk. I'll Corner if we draw, she got a jump in the trunk, so we finna pop it up. Coming in like the king, I'm more Kobe than LeBron. Got that black mama swinging, no ring like Salon. Screw you, y'all choose food. I have a fat bitch sing at your view. Screw y'all choose lose, cause y'all do, do. And I don't got smooth moves, but I do, shoot, I do. Yeah. Ugh.